Hello and welcome to series four, episode seventeen of Dad Educates Daughter. Um, and we're currently going through the eighties male soloist. So let's introduce Rebecca. Hello there. How Hello. are you? I'm good. Good. So how did you find this week? Um, I this week was very rock, but it's actually showed off the different styles of rock. So I've had a variety of artists showing off those styles. Um, I've not been complaining, though. Like, it's not been awful. The artists all have their own style this week, so they're all different from one another. Um, and it's been a nice listen-to week, um, bar maybe a couple. But we'll get into that later. Um, the The only thing that I regret this week is so I always listen to my extras when I'm making like my notes and watching videos um because I feel I don't have to do them more than once and then I can get an insight into more videos by doing it that way and I didn't get around to doing it because I made my notes quite late and was very busy so I wish I did have that extra time to listen and I can only blame myself um so that's the only downside that I've done to myself this week because I feel like if I had that extra insight it might have made a difference but talking of the hits they had in the 80s yeah at least I've gone off that but I do wish I maybe listened to more okay so um how many number ones I've gone for five you're spot on am I five it is however only two were from the 80s but, oh, okay, so that may be... Mm, I think all of mine are, like, in the middle of what you've given me. Because if I was, like, if any of the ones that i chosen were near the top of the list that you gave me or near the bottom, they might possibly be out. But all of them are kind of in the middle. I'll give you them anyway. Okay. At least then we can see. So I've gone with Paul Young, Love of the Common People. Robert Palmer, Addicted to Love and I'll Be Your Baby Tonight. David Essex, Falling Angels Riding. How many is that for? And then I've gone Joe Dolce. Dolce? The only Dolce. song you gave me. Shut up your face. Why, you, why have you gone for Shut Up in Your Face to be number one? Because I think it might have been. Because we've spoke about it before. Shut up, have we? Yes. No, we haven't. Oh, we have. I've not listened to that song before. No, I didn't say listen to it, but we have definitely spoke about it. Oh, so it's not a number one then. We'll oh. speak about it when it comes to that. Some more. So let's. Talk. I know you've mentioned it before. We've not spoken about it before. We have. You've mentioned it because I've heard of the song title. We've we've explained about it. Okay. Let's talk music. Let's talk Paul Young. Yeah, I've gone for pop rock. He's got a nice variety of songs. His genre was quite hard to guess because it's quite poppy, it's quite rocky, it's quite uh, it's 
I'd say it's got elements of like soul maybe in there. There's just a bit of ev- not everything, but it was quite hard. I think he's really talented in the vocals department and he knows what works for him. So as much as I say he had like his genre was hard to guess, his songs are quite not similar to one another, but he's consistent in his work, I'd say. The only thing that lets him down is towards the end of the songs that you gave me, he goes slow and I'm like, "Mm, this don't suit you. Like, maybe moved into a new genre right at the end. He really sings from the heart. Um, And I think it's rare to find, like, it's rare to find someone that really shows their passion through their songs and you can just hear it in their voice. And I think that that's him. His videos tell a story, so I really enjoyed that. Um, And all I could think of him when I was watching him was his hair has got volume. Or he's got a lot of it. Okay. So, Paul Young. He's from Luton, Bedfordshire, England. He's been active since 1978. He's a singer, songwriter, musician. And when I say musician, he's a bassist stroke guitarist. And his genre is pop rock. New Wave and Blue-Eyed Soul. So I did say it sounds a bit soul in there. So, Paul started out as a footballer, playing for the town's Vauxhall Motors Works team, while also playing bass guitar in several bands, including Cat Call and The Cool Cats, where he also became lead singer. In the late 70s, he joined Street Band, who had one top 20 hit in the UK with novelty track, novelty track Toast in 1978. In December 1979, the band disbanded and Paul formed the band Q-Tips with guitarist Dave Lafwell and drummer Baz Watts. Q-Tips supported several bands on their tours, like the Jay Gell's band, the Knack, Thin Lizzy, the Average White Band, and even Bob Marley. He's a band guy. Q-Tips were quoted on BBC Radio 1's Round Table programme as being easily the best live band working at the moment. In 79. Yes. They couldn't have lasted that much longer because I've never had them. Uh, I hadn't, to be honest. They never, ever made it. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. so they couldn't have been, they're a really yeah. good live band, but they couldn't have been like anything successful yeah. because well, we've never discussed. Oh, okay. However, with poor sales after the release of two albums and seven singles, Q Tips disbanded in early 1982 when Young signed a solo recording contract with CBS. So it's because of Young. Well, he obviously... But then again, if they were failing... They weren't, and... Yeah, like if they're failing, you're not really going to continue. So Young formed a backing band called The Royal Family, 
which included Q-Tips member Ian Q. Lee on keyboards, along with um, some other players not from Q-Tips. So bass player Pino Palladino, guitarist Steve Bolton, drummer Mark Pinder, and backing singers Maz Roberts and Kim Leslie, who were also known as the Fabulous Wealthy Tarts. Okay, then. What a name. So his first single, Iron Out the Rough Spots, had no success. And This is as a his... soloist now, isn't it? Yes, yes. And those people that you just listed were just like his They were like the band, band yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was called the Royal Family. Um, so, yeah, so his first single, Iron Out the Rough Spots, had no success. And neither did his second release, the cover of Love of the Common People. However, the third Another cover, this time Marvin Gaye's Wherever I Lay My Hat, became the first of Young's 14 UK Top 40 singles. Paul Young's first four Top 40 singles were all covers. Wherever I Lay My Hat, Marvin Gaye, Come Back and Stay, Jack Lee, the re-release of John Hurley's Love of the Common People, and I'm going to tear your playhouse down, which was ridden, ridden, written by Earl Randall and first released in 1972 by soul singer Anne Pebbles or Peebles, along with another single young released outside the UK in continental Europe and Australia was Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart which reached number nine in both Belgium and the Netherlands. In fact, by the time Paul Young had a hit that he'd written by himself, which was obviously not a cover, he already had released his debut album, No Parles, which made number one on the UK album chart. That must have been as all well covers. As, yeah, yeah, pretty much, as in at least the release, not, the release yeah. singles were. Oh, yeah. Um, and it also made top spot in Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Sweden, and Switzerland in 1983. While his second album, The Secret of Association, released in 1985, also reached number one in the UK, Netherlands, and Sweden. And that is what had his own written track, Everything Must Change. This is fast. Which was the album's second single after I'm Gonna Tear Your Playhouse Down, although it was the third release from the album, um, Every Time You Go Away, a cover of the Hall and Oates unreleased album track written by Darryl Hall, um, with Young's version hitting number one on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as reaching top spot in Canada. So he's a cover man, isn't he? Oh, I've always, yeah. He's I mean, not done I'm, much. I've never been a fan of his, really, because he just, I just call him Mr. Cover, others. Yeah, not surprised. Like, I'm waiting for you to, like, so far. I mean, yes. You've yeah, given me one, two, three, four, five, six songs out of the 11 that I've got, and five of them are covers. That's it's not looking good, is it? And I'm annoyed because I said no, one of them was a number one. 
Well, it's number one in the US. Love of the common people is what I'm on about. I said that. Oh, oh, the one you thought, sorry, the one you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Young's next album and the last to be released in the 80s was 1987's Between Two Fires. Um, It only made the top 10 on the UK album chart and averaged around number 32 everywhere else. Wow. So the lead single was Wonderland, a song written... um, By him? By American singer Betsy Cook. But it's not a cover. So no, it was well. It was written by her. Written oh, by her. So she had relocated to the UK in the late seventies, and collaborated with artists such as Jerry Rafferty, Lindisfarne, George Michael, Still, and Mark Ormond. She later worked with Trevor Horn and worked on several of his projects, including Frankie Goes to Hollywood, before working with Paul Young. Right. So then she became like his writer. Oh, okay. So he's not a writer at all. Um, I mean, written it, everything it, must change, but he's not. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously wrote probably album tracks, but. Yeah, but nothing that's then uh, made it a hit. Got that special ingredient needed to bring mm. art success. Yeah. So Paul's next album, released in 1990, called Other Voices, again only made the top 10 in the UK album chart while flopping everywhere else and only made the top 40 in three other countries' album charts. Italy, number 18, Canada, number 35, and Sweden, where it was actually number 40. So not only is he like Mr. Cover, as you say, He's just not that very good anyway. Oh, and he also had failed... You've you got to think, we're now in the 90s, music's moved on. Yeah, but he never really did much in the 80s. Oh, having a number one in America is quite big. With a cover. But he's still got to number one. But it's a cover. But he's still got to number one. With a cover. <laughs> yes, with a cover. <laughs> like, it's just, in my head, he's not... He's not made it. Yeah. Like, so, at all. Um, as I say, um, Italy, it got to number 18. So Italy was again showing that after the UK, they are the, the next nation with what you could call hardcore Paul Young fans, as they right. were also the only nation where the previous album, Between the Fires, charted its highest at number 11. Bear in mind, I said it was average 32 in everywhere. Yeah. And Italy was number 11. So there was obviously quite a few others that they, were they, yeah. not even in the top 40 or just inside the top 40. Mm. So four singles were released in the album with only two, Softly Whispering I Love You and Old Girl, charting inside the UK top 40. Both were covers of earlier released singles. Of course. So softly Whispering I Love You was originally recorded in 1967 by the duo David and Jonathan, and they reached number 23 in Australia, while Old Girl 
was a cover of the Chilites, the Chilites. 1972 hit song which was their only number one on 100 yeah but not him <laughs> no so he also featured on Zakero's single Sins and Adonna in 1991 but he wasn't credited I mean he was credited with it but it was Zakero who was is it was his song Paul Young just featured on Young it yeah, featured, yeah. yeah um so Paul has released 10 studio albums between 1983 yeah. and 2023 so this year he's still trying he's still he's trying. still doing covers yeah i don't know uh, so young um Surely still tours any money he still, still tours. tours and i've even seen him this last year like why have you seen him well, he was recently supporting Go West on their UK tour. And we went to see Go oh, West. So A&E when you say he still tours, he yeah, he tour, he supports. He supports. He's not yeah. touring and people no, are buying he, tickets to see him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He just happens to have people see him because they have yeah. no choice. Yeah. Okay. And um, he briefly teamed up with Q-Tips for a reunion tour i say so sorry yeah he briefly teamed up with q-tips for a reunion tour in 1993 oh okay okay but he's really shy doesn't he yeah he was big he was a big name in um, the covers, though. you gotta think people didn't realize they were covers didn't look into it or whatever and if you're singing a song from the 60s and 70s People aren't necessarily going to be remembering it from who were buying it at that time. Mm. Did their parents not tell them? Because I tell you what, if I ever said, "Oh, Dad, have you heard this song?" You'd straight away be like, "Yeah." Well, I did when it was one doing "Take on Me." Yeah, that's true. See, so where where are the adults of the? Fans Maybe they didn't know because they weren't big hits. They were album. I mean, the Halls and Oats one that I said had never been released. It was an album track. Okay. You know, so mm-hmm. and you got to think the Chilites, Chilites, ch- yeah. the Chilites, Chilites. Um, when theirs was number one, it was like 1972. So yeah, I suppose quite recent as, for them to be covering yeah. it. But still, I do get your point that people probably didn't even realise. And okay, getting annoyed. So, his songs. Yeah. His covers. Nineteen eighty-three. Wherever I lay my hat, that's my home. Number one. Okay. Has a good tempo, very passionate and great vocals. I'll take that as number one. It was a good song. 1983. Come Back and Stay. Number four. Oh, so he's hitting high, isn't he? Um, very repetitive, but very catchy and upbeat. Uh-huh. 
1983, the re-release of um, Love of the Common People, because as I said, he first released it in, um, when did I say, 1983. Oh, it was still the same year oh, I thought it was released it in 1983 and it got to 102 the first time the first time right and then, and then in the same released. year no no yeah it later it's so a later one in the year after he'd had a after um he'd yeah, had to in my hat and come back yeah. and stay so he'd had the two yeah. hits he re-released it and it went from a hundred and two, yeah, to number two. Stop! That's mad, isn't it? And it also shows. But we've said this before. Sometimes it's the uh, order that the songs go out. You just need to get one in there, and then you may have already released one, but people all of a sudden then want to buy it. Yeah. Um, well, "Love of the Common People" was my favourite. I did recognise it a bit. Um, don't know why though. The only thing that was annoying in it, but it's also I couldn't stop repeating it, was the like IEI bit. Uh-huh. Uh, there's just IEI every now and then. I'm like, you don't need this, but I also can't help but sing it. <laughs> but it was my favorite, it was a really good song. Okay, so just to let you know as well, it did get to number one in Belgium, where funny mm-hmm. enough, Come Back and Stay also got to number one. Um, it got to number one in Ireland. It got mm-hmm. to number one in Italy, which, as we already know, are big fans of Paul Young. Um, yeah. And it got to number one in the Netherlands. Mm. Well, Come Back and Stay, as I say, it got to number one in Belgium. Yeah. It also got to number one in Germany and New Zealand. Mm. So he is quite international, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, so 80, 1984, I'm going to tear your playhouse down. Probably was my favourite of his. Oh, really? Um, got to number nine. Well, see, this one was a bit more harsh tones, very up tempo, and a bit more of a rock vibe, I'd say. Okay. 1984, Everything Must Change, number nine. I liked this one. It was very heartfelt. Um, came from the heart, I think. Very passionate. Nice little love song. Okay. Uh, then we had his big hit in America, 1985's Every Time You Go Away, mm-hmm. which was number one in America and Canada. Yeah. And it was number four in the UK. Uh, really good vocals it shows a range like it really shows off his vocals this song I did like it 1985 Tomb of Memories number 16 oh he's had a drop that's his lowest one to so far Um, I thought it was a very good piece of music though very catchy um, very upbeat I enjoyed it okay um, and I could, funny enough, I couldn't find out if he wrote that. Oh, that's the only one I don't. That know was the only about. one that you didn't mention. Yeah, yeah I, I think can't that. see anything on it. Um, so yeah, 
1986 Wonderland, number 24. Oh, yeah, see, this was a slow burner. Very calming. It was a complete change from what he had been doing. Uh-huh. Now going into the 90s, 1990, Softly Whispering I Love You, number 21. See, I did, as much as this was stripped back, it was very raw, very calm, beautiful, a love song. I did enjoy it, considering it had had that change. And like I said, he did go slow at the end. This one I did enjoy of all the slowest, slower ones. 1990, Old Girl, number 25. Oh, so I think he's singing to someone in this. Um, I really like the lyrics. And then finally, the one I added on to you, because it wasn't under yeah. his own songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I've got it, I bought it, because I do love it. Oh. But it's not classed as his. It's Zakiro well, no, featuring Paul yeah. Young. Yeah. And it's Sends an Adonna without a woman. Um, and that got to number four. Oh, did it? It's got a good mix of vocals. I, I really do like the vocals on it. It's just a very long and slow song, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on then to Robert Palmer. Mm. So again, I've gone for pop rock. He's got of a more a more rock twist on them than pop. Um, he's not really a singer, but you would happily listen to his voice. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he does, but I do like his voice, but he's not talented in the vocal part. Um, he's got simple videos. He's middle-aged, dresses smartly. Uh, he does, like, the same layout for videos where he's singing, like, a live performance, say. And then I'm intrigued as who the women are because they're in nearly yeah, every video. love. No, they're in the, in the every video. Oh, they're, they're, he's known for the Addicted to Love video where the women are like the playing the instruments. Yeah, but they're in quite a lot of videos. Uh-huh. They are so models. They're like, they were, they were models oh, right. I thought they instruments. were like his backup singers or band or yeah. whatever that he put together and that's who he goes with. You know what I mean? You know, like you said, with um, Paul Young and the royal family that he put together, yeah. I've thought that the these women were that because they are like in nearly every video yeah but okay they're not a band at all they've never played an instrument in their life (laughs) so i was just looking i'm pretty sure they were models who um sort of trained i think at the time but it was a it was a well-known video um at the time Yeah, they were. Um, so the video of um, Addicted to Love features yeah. Palmer performing the song with an abstract band, a group of female models whose pale skin, heavy makeup, dark hair, seductive, rather mannequin like expressions. Yeah, yeah. Were um, playing the, uh, the, the um, instruments. So the five well, models in the video are Julie Parkhurst on keyboard, mm-hmm. Patty Kelly on guitar, Mark Gilchrist on bass guitar. Obviously, not a not a female. 
Julia Bellino on guitar and Kathy Davis on drums. And um, just while I'm here, Mark Gilchrist recalled in a magazine interview, I was 21 and got the part on the strength of my modeling book. We were meant to look and act like showroom mannequins. The director, Terence Donovan, got us tipsy on a bottle of wine. But as we were having our makeup retouched, I lost balance on my heels and knocked the top of my... Oh, it's Mac, not Mark. Mac. Mac Gilchrist. So it is a woman. Yes. I didn't think um, I'd saw any men. Yeah, no, sorry. That's me not reading or my eyes reading what it, what it thought it was because I've never heard of a Mac, M-A-K, and I just automatically obviously put an R in there to give it Mark. <laughs> so it definitely says Mac because I re-re-look at it. Um, anyway, <laughs> she uh, got tipsy on a bottle of wine that they were having as they were having their makeup retouched. And she lost balance on her heels and knocked the top of her guitar into the back of Robert's head. And his face then hit the microphone. Oh, God. That's why she didn't get the sack. Oh, yes. Right. Because one thing I did write was uh, very pale women behind him. But they're in more than one video, not just that addicted to love. Uh-huh. I guess it's I, because I that would... video is, is iconic. Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't have mentioned them if I, if they were only in one video. They're in more than one. Uh, mm. So Robert Palmer is from Batley, Yorkshire. He's a, he's been active since nineteen sixty-four. Yes. I don't know why I don't he's a singer, he's songwriter, and record producer. And his genre is rock, pop, blue-eyed soul, hard rock, blues rock. Okay. Similar to, so, what's his name, Paul Young. Mm-hmm. So although I say he's more rocky, whereas Paul Young... That's what I said. More, yeah, yeah, said, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Palmer, although born in Yorkshire, was brought up in Malta, where oh. his father was posted as part of the British Naval Intelligence. Palmer was influenced by blues, soul and jazz music being played on the American forces radio and by his own parents' music tastes. By the time of his teens, Palmer was living in Scarborough and joined his first band, The Mandrakes, at the age of just 15. His first job was working at the Scarborough Evening News, where he was fired after the police found a stub of cannabis joint in a raid on his bedsit. Palmer's first major break came with the departure of singer Jess Roden from the Alan Bowne set band in 1969, with Palmer being invited to London to sing on the band's single Gypsy Girl following the success following the success of the single Palmer rose from a northern clubs in England to become elegant and sophisticated and the master of several styles so by 1970 he had joined the 12 piece jazz rock fusion band 
called Dada, D-A-D-A, which featured singer Elkie Brooks and her husband, Pete Gage. And after a year, Palmer, Brooks and Gage formed the soul rock band Vinegar Joe, with Palmer playing rhythm guitar and sharing lead vocals with Brooks. The band released three albums before disbanding in 1974. Palmer then signed a solo deal with Island Records and his first three studio albums had moderate success, charting on the Billboard Hot 200 at 107, 136 and then number 68 which was the third album, Some People Can Do What They Like, which also charted in the UK album chart at number 46 in 1976. The previous two albums either hadn't charted or just weren't released over here. Right, okay. They only were, were charted in the, U, in the US. Um, however, it was his fourth album, Double Fun, released in 1978, which not only charted at number 45 on the Billboard Hot 200, which being inside the top 50 was obviously a big success in the US, as we've said, um, as well as making the top 10 in the Netherlands. Oh. So this week, I'm telling you, they are very international, not very British, even though they're from here. Yeah. Uh, so lead, the lead single off that album was Every Kind of People, and that reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So it was his first big, big, big as I say, the, the album was a big breakthrough. That got inside the top 50 on the Billboard Hot 200. Yeah. And then the lead single, Every Kind of People, got inside the, what, the top 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. So his 1979 album, Secrets, reached number 19 on the Billboard Hot 200 and number four in Canada. Hmm. Canada So as you can see, he's very, he's he's broke through in the the US rather than the UK. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and Paul Young was a bit like that as well, but less so in America, just more international. and he's the same. Um, and the uh, lead single on that album was a Bad Case of Loving You, Doctor Doctor, which made number one in Canada. So the album got to number four. The lead single got to number one. So he's really a big name in he's Canada. He's really now. a Canada, yeah. So it would be by it would it would be nineteen eighty. By the time Palmer made his UK breakthrough with the sixth album, Clues, getting inside the UK album top 40 chart at number 31. Although we're saying he's made a breakthrough, he's only just got in the top 40 of of the album chart. And really a success in the UK is in the top 20. Top 40 for singles and top 20 for albums. Um, Wouldn't it be a big margin for albums? Why is it top 20 for albums? um, Just because not everyone bought albums 
you got to think it, the people buying albums, you know, were, were your teenagers, so they would rather buy the singles, which is obviously much cheaper than an album. Mm, that's true. It's probably the way I look at it. Definitely speaking from my own experience, you know, it was only it was only um, the, the 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 top. The people you you really like that you'd go out yeah, and buy yeah, their, yeah. you know you're going to like all their other songs or you'd like yeah yeah yeah. But someone like Robert Palmer, you might like Addicted to Love, but there's nothing to say you're going to like the, rest of the songs on an album. So yeah. you just buy the right. single. Right. Okay. But that's me speaking personally, and as I say, yeah. But you did get you as we've spoken before. There were some. Um, uh, artists that you know, or groups that were album, they yeah, were mainly yeah, their yeah. albums, rather than singles, albums. But, yeah. But yeah, the majority was were singles, so yeah. So that album got to number 31, while the seventh album, Pride, got to number 37. That was in 1983, and this is still we're talking the UK, but it was mm-hmm. 1985's Riptide which went gold in the UK when charting at number five on the UK album chart. Oh, wow. Thanks mainly to the lead single, Addicted to Love. Right, so that's Which was a worldwide a hit and reached number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard Mainstream Rock chart in the US. So that one was, that's his biggest hit as well then, of all yeah. time. That's yeah. right. Yes. And that, that that broke through here for him. Yeah. And and I suppose contradicting myself, that album done well, and was it on the back of Addicted to Love? It would have been. So yeah, yeah. But I guess the because, album on the back of a single. But. Yeah, but because they were like, this single's amazing. This album must be really good. Whereas the other ones, yeah. all right, singles, not really selling yeah. the album for me though if this is the top because usually you release like one that you think is going to do the best don't you that's going to sell the album that's right yeah your lead your lead track yeah so yeah so the next album palmer's ninth heavy nova released in 1988 saw palmer gets his second number one on the u.s billboard mainstream rock singles chart when lead single simple simply irresistible topped the chart while it also made number two on the billboard hot 100 however the single was a surprise flop in the uk while the album was outside the top 10 number 17. so he has very moderate so success in the UK. I was going to say, so even after Addicted to Love, it didn't then yeah. push him forward. He went back mm. to his chill time Yeah, in the middle. So um, in 1985, Palmer joined supergroup The Power Station with Duran Duran members guitarist Andy Taylor and bassist John Taylor, as well as chic chic drummer Tony Thompson. Their biggest hit was the co-written single. Um, So it was written by the two Taylors, not related, as if you recall, and Palmer, and um, was called Some Like It Hot. You probably remember it. You have had Power Station. Some Like It Hot. 
I recognise that song title yeah. name. Um, and that was in 1985, and it reached number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Palmer released a further four solo albums during the 1990s, as well as singing on UB40's 1990 single, um, I'll Be Your that Baby that Tonight. I've, that the one that I've got, yeah. Yes. Um, which reached number one in New Zealand. So instead of being like, I mean, you, you've just said he released another four albums, but he kind of spread his wings a bit more. Yeah. I'm happy for him doing that. So Palmer won a Grammy. Oh. Well, two Grammys. Oh. Um, in both 1987 and 1988 for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Male for both Addicted to Love, obviously in 87, oh, and yeah, Simply Irresistible in 88. Mm. Palmer died from a heart attack in his Paris hotel room in September 2003, aged 54. With Duran Duran paying yeah. tribute by saying he was a very dear friend and a great artist. This is a tragic loss to the British music industry. But he didn't really do much part. No, he didn't. But he was well. He was. I mean, I was shocked when I was when I was writing about him that his singles had had not been that much of a success over here. I didn't, and I, you know, and the fact that he was bigger in America, because you know, one that doesn't normally happen, and two, I wouldn't have put him in that bracket as mm. having more success in America. And than I over wouldn't here. have put, yeah, I wouldn't have put him as a. I I thought he was successful over here. It's quite a shock. Apparently not. He was, but not as successful as I. Not to the degree that you thought yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the simply irresistible, that was a big shock, as you will find out when I tell you where that got. Oh. So. 1980, Looking for Clues, got to number 33. Okay. Bopper. I'd say there's not much to it. It is catchy and it does do the job, though, but it just hasn't got that oomph to it or that extra content that's needed. 1982, Some Guys Have All the Luck. Probably my favourite. I do like it. Some guys have all the luck. Good song. Number 16. Oh, okay. That was nearly my favourite. So I'm the same as you. I do really like it. I feel like it's a song that it starts and you're straight into it. Very fast paced and very catchy. And in 1986, he had Addicted to Love. And that got to number five. Not number one. No, nope, number five. That shocks me. Um, so I recognise this one, um, but I'm guessing that's because it was his biggest hit and I think it's still quite big. Um, it's to the point, good music, and I like the way he sings it. And again, you know, I mean, obviously being a ha, I don't say, I, I, I mean, yes, the video has a, has a say, but I still say the record has to be good. Yeah, yeah, uh, a yeah. A lot of people will say, you know, how many, how many, um, how many sales were through the video? Yeah, 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 because it would, 
because mm. but yeah i'm i'm say yes it gets it noticed but you still got to like you still the, gotta like the video uh, you're you're not, when you're like playing you're cassette in the car or you're you're you playing your 75 uh, your, your your seven inch um single on the record player because that's yeah. what we had back then yeah you're not seeing the video no so you wouldn't go and buy something because of the video um, the video will be the reason that you yeah. saw it yeah it's like an advert and then on you might, the advert and then sells you might the remember, product and you but you might remember the like so sometimes like if you're me you'll be like oh yeah you know the one and then you describe the video and it might be in your head because you keep seeing the video and then the song's in your head do you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. um and that would do the video and that's why the video's got to be good but yeah you're right the song sells itself still yeah you, as i say you have to enjoy and it's like an advert you've still got mm. if you, you you're not you, there might be a brilliant you're advert not gonna, if you're not interested in the not, product it's you yeah know, unless you're mad well, it might be like a brilliant just for the sake oh i like the advert don't know what I'm going to do with the product, but I bet there are people like that. I'm sure there are, and there's probably people that did buy the 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 single on the back of the the video, but and we're disappointed that they didn't didn't like the the single. Yeah. Anyway, so it got to number five, Uh, 1986. Still, I didn't mean to turn you on. That got to number nine. Okay, it's um not a bad one, but it's just got that same tempo throughout just the same and you're waiting for something more to happen in it okay so um we now come to 1988's simply irresistible which is another song i like simply irresistible do 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 um as i said um it got to number um <laughs> I can't remember number one either. on the US Billboard Mainstream Walk, number two on the Hot One Hundred. Uh, so seen as a big, big single over there. Over here, it didn't even make the top forty. I've given you it up. because it's a good song. And I'm shocked because I would have said it was a top 10 if you'd asked me. And I was even around at the time, you know. It only got to number 44. Do you know what? I don't get why you like it. I do. It's just a catchy song. I don't think it is. There's not much to it. There's not really anything there. It's a bit rough. I mean, it's not my favourite. It does sound. But I it's do like it. It's nice. a song. It's not in the. I thought it'd be no. top 10. I would have put it higher. I wouldn't have put it top 10. Yeah. I would have put it higher than out of the 40. I would have put it in the top 40, yeah. But. Top for 20? Co- mm, no. No? No. Really? I. <laughs> it got it's to number two in the bill, on the Billboard Hot 200. The Americans loved it. I just, for me personally, there's not much to it. It sounds nice, like the music's nice, but the song as a whole, there's not mm. much going on. And compared to songs that he has had previously, it's not living up to 
those. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's but still yeah. outside the top forty. I wouldn't have put it outside the top forty. I would have put it in the top thirty. Okay. Uh, nineteen eighty-eight. She makes my day. Number six. Yeah, softly sung. It's very different for him. Um, it's calmed down a lot compared to the others, but I do like it, and it is sung very well. Uh, 1989, Change His Ways, number 28. Okay. This has got a hint of, like, a different genre in it. Um, do you know what really made this song for me? No. And I'm not saying it was in a good way. He does a bit of yodeling, you know. Oh, really? I'm telling you now, there's a bit of yodeling in it. <laughs> it's very odd, but I did really like it. I was like, oh, do a bit more. <laughs> and then, and the first time I heard it, I was like, eh? And then it came back around in the song again. I was like, wait, no, I did hear that right. Yeah, just a little bit. And whether it is him, I don't know. And it's not like proper, like, yodeling, like, really. But yeah. there's definitely some hint of yodeling in there. You're going to have to listen to it to hear it. Uh, it is in there, though. Okay, cool. 1990, I'll Be Your Baby Tonight with UB40. I think it's more a UB40 song, actually, than his. Um, I'm just going to double-check who wrote it, actually. Um, oh. When did I say it was 1990? It's actually a cover of Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Okay. So, yes. um, And where'd that come? And it came at number six. Okay. Well, so you know, I said some guys have all the luck was nearly my favourite. Yeah. I'm going to change that to be in my favourite. Although I'll Be Your Baby Tonight was my favourite. but I'm And it is his. It's more. from his own album. And oh, okay, he's on then the no. Cover. He's on the cover of the single as well. Okay, then I might so keep it. Is it. Him. I was worried that you were it's, going to say that it's more UB40. It must be a um, Robert Palmer featuring UB40 yeah. rather than the other way around because it's on his album, Don't Explain. Um, in nine from nineteen ninety, and he is on the cover of the single. Okay, no, I'll keep it as my. Oh yes, I'll keep it as my favorite then. Like I didn't want to. I just didn't want it to be my favorite if it was more UB forty song because yeah. then no, I wouldn't. Have However, it. just to remember, it is outside the eighties at nineteen ninety. Yeah, but it is my favorite. I really liked it. Really liked yeah. it. Like everything about it, and. I'm not even a UB40 fan either, so for them... No, I'm not. And I I think I'm pretty sure now I see that cover, I think I've got it. I think I bought it. It is a good song. So I'll have to dig it out and I'll post you a picture. Yeah. Um, And then lastly, a double A with Mercy, Mercy Me and I Want You. And that got to number... They got to number nine. Okay. So this one, usually double A's, I can find the two separate songs. But for these two, I couldn't at all. All that came up kept coming up was Mercy, Mercy Me, I Want You Medley. It just kept putting it as a medley. And I was like, well, these have got to be yeah. a double A side then. But it was a medley. And even on YouTube, everywhere I looked, it was considered as a medley. Um, so when I listened to it, 
I couldn't really tell when the song had changed. And I think I realised quite late that I was listening to I Want You. Um, Mercy, Mercy Me definitely stood out more. Um, it sounded a bit jazzy. I uh-huh. quite liked it as an end, but I'm a bit disappointed that I couldn't hear the two songs separately. Because, um, like I said, I couldn't tell when it changed into the second one. Okay. So, moving on to David Essex. Yeah. I've only heard of him because of Winter's Tale. And my initial judgment was that he was going to be like more of a love song, um, calm singer. But he actually has different elements to him. So I quite, lis- quite like listening to his other songs outside of his, you know, Christmas song um i've gone with soft rock or glam rock i feel like he's got a bit of i don't know something to it so i thought go with glam um i thought he was an older man when i think of david essex i just think of an older man don't know why um maybe because i've seen him as an older man in my age. no um but he's very young with mullet type hairstyle he looks like a classic rock star. Like he's got high-waisted jeans with a belt and then he's wearing a vest. Like he's very laid back. And he doesn't really have any videos unless they're from Top of the Pops. Okay. So compared to the other two you've listened to, he yeah. is the oldest. Oh. He's older than, than um, Robert Palmer by two years. He nah. was born in 1947. Robert Palmer was born in 1949. Robert Palmer, when I was watching the videos, legit looks like a middle-aged man. He looks yeah. older than Paul me. Young was born in 1956, so he's the baby. Well, Robert Palmer looks the oldest out yeah. of these three. David Essex. Was the oldest. So, David Essex, born David Albert Cook. He's oh, I would have said his surname was Essex. He's from Playstow in Essex. Oh, and no. He's been active since 1963. He's a singer, songwriter, and actor, and he's glam rock and pop. Oh. I just went for a whim with glam rock. I was like, there's some sort of element to him that's not. But I didn't think he was very poppy, which is why I didn't go pop rock. So Essex's mother was a self-taught pianist and an Irish traveller. And his father was an East End docker. Essex grew up in Canning Town and was a member of West Ham's junior football team. And he had dreamed of once becoming a professional player. That's the second however this week. However, he then became interested in music and played drums with the local band China Plate before becoming a singer. In his teens, he moved to Chadwell Heath and Womford in Essex. His first recorded single was And the Tears Come Tumbling Down for the Fontana record label in 1965. He then toured with a band as David Essex and the Mood Indigo for two years. So at 23 in 1971, he became an actor with small appearances in a couple of films 
before taking the lead role in the stage musical Godspell or God's yeah Godspell. When you say he's an actor, he's not yeah. he's not done anything notable, has he? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was waiting for something big, but I've not heard of anything he's done. But I guess if he All went right. to stage. Yeah. In 1973, he starred in the film That Will Be The Day and recorded his international hit, his self-written single, Rock On, which sold over one million copies and reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100. While his second single, Lamplight, also reached the top ten in the UK. In 1989, Michael Damien released a cover version of Rock On, which also went to number one. Sorry, which went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So this song got to number five, the original version, and then number one, the cover version. Cover version. So someone done a cover of David Essex's song and got to number one. In America. Fair enough. But that's in America, yeah, yeah. Essex played Che in Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, Evita, and his recording of the show's Old Water Circus reached number three in the UK. So his acting and singing has come hand in hand. Very I think much it's really so. helped out. So as much as I say he's not done anything notable in his life it is because it's helped him launch his career really yeah in 1980 essex starred in the motorcycle racing film silver dream racer and the soundtrack song silver dream machine was released as a single in 1985 he co-wrote and starred as fletcher christian in the West End musical Mutiny, based on the novel Mutiny on the Bounty. The soundtrack produced the hit single Tahiti. His biggest single in the UK was his 1982 Christmas song, A Winter's Tale, which charted inside the top ten. That's his biggest hit? Yeah. I I didn't think... That would be his biggest hit. I thought he had, well, I thought Fallen Angels Riding was the number one. It's obviously not now, is it? Um, when I say, I suppose you could say biggest hit as in sales, not necessarily chart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not what you mean, but okay. Well, it is because I <laughs> know the charting positions. Okay. But yeah, biggest hit as in sales. The biggest commercial what Yeah, yeah, I suppose you could look at it like that. But it's okay. classed as his biggest hit. Right, okay. Not hit. Not necessarily his charting. Right. Not what I'm thinking. Okay. No. Right, okay. Um David Essex has released 26 studio albums between 1973 and 2013. Wow. He went on for a while as well, didn't he? Yeah. 
1999, Essex was awarded an OBE for charitable services. Um, despite his long and successful British career, he remains largely unknown in the United States, where Rock On was his only hit single. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he didn't hit over there. He was bigger over here. Yeah. But he got to number five over there. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah. Um, in 2000, Essex went back to his roots when playing an Irish traveller in the ITV series Heartbeat. Oh. And Essex was due to join East Enders in early 2006 as new character Jack Edwards. But he didn't. I've never heard of that. So Jack Edwards was Honey's dad who married Billy Mitchell. So he did appear. Hold on. However, the role was expanded beyond the originally planned three weeks. So Essex was unable to commit the oh, time yeah. and the oh, role right. was instead given to Nikki Henson. Right. I was going to say, because I remember her dad coming on um, because I remember <laughs> the funniest thing Honey has ever said is her dad gave her a grand when her baby was born. And she went, oh, why they call you granddad? Because he gave her a grand. But And I thought, oh, I can picture that man in my head. That could have been David Essex. Could have been. He was offered it first, but the original terms when he was offered it changed and he then couldn't commit. But just think it could have been. Could have been. Oh, David Essex. Yes. 1973, Rock On. Mm -hmm. Got to number three. Okay, I was a bit worried and I was like, maybe I should put this as a number one. Um, It is a really good song. It's got minimal music. I like the focus on like the lyrics and the vocals more than the music. Um, It's slow, but it's not an awful slow. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 1974. Gonna make you a star. Number one. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. It's a nice little story in the lyrics, but the vocals just aren't as real. Like, they sound a bit tuned, and it's got a good beat, but I'm not a number one. That shocks me. 1975. Hold me close. Also. Number one. Really? I did recognise this. Um, a little less rock, I'd say. Very catchy. Um, I did like it. But again, not a number one. I don't know why I recognise it, though. Silver Dream Machine from the film. Silver, or, yeah, the... the um... Yeah, the film, Silver Dream Racer. Um, ah, released in 19... that explains the video. Was, I did just say that. 
Sorry. I did it. I, could have, I weren't picturing the video at that point. Uh, so, um, released in 1980, got to number four. Okay, yeah, see, I take that. And when you were talking about it, I was picturing him more as an actor, not thinking about uh, the link between the song and the thing. Um, this is very 80s sounding. I did enjoy it. Um, I really did like the music within it as well. Um, I just think it gave me that that 80s vibe that I always like to look for. Um, and I just thought it was about something, but now I know that it is from a film. I get it, because it was. It was to do with the film. But yeah. Um, 1982, Me and My Girl, Night Clubbing, number 13. Okay, this was my favourite. Repetitive and very catchy. It changes the way he sings a bit, but I'm not complaining about it. I really enjoyed it. Um, just gave me that something different. Very catchy, very upbeat. I went back to it. Okay. Uh, then we have the uh, Christmas 1982. Mm -hmm. A Winter's Tale got to number two. Yeah. I I knew that this one hit high um from when we did our 80s Christmas um episode, but I knew it weren't a number one. Um it's just a very depressing Christmas song, isn't it? It's not very Christmassy. Um then we have the Mount uh, uh, Mutiny on the Bounty or Mutiny as it was uh called in which he co-wrote the uh the musical as well as starred in and obviously wrote this song i guess um it's tahiti you panicked to... me then the way you started introducing that because i was like you've not given me a song called this you... oh. i was about to go back and check <laughs> no it's tahiti then i realized yeah um from 1983 and it got to number eight see this one no but in the background very calm. I did like it, to be fair. No, I will take an eight. I did like it um, because I remember this is one that I remembered from listening in my card when I made my notes. That I was like, oh, yeah, I do quite look forward to listening to that again. But it is a more in the background song. Like, just every now and then you're like, oh, yeah, it's there. Okay, and finally, 1985. Falling Angels Riding, the mm -hmm. song that you thought might be number one. So he's well, had yeah, two yeah. number ones already. Yeah, he ain't getting no one. This was actually his worst charting single that you had of his. Shut up. The number 29, just inside the top 30. This was his worst. Of I the ones really... you've had, yeah. Yeah. I really like this song. I think it's got that deeper meaning. Its vocals are quite quiet, but I really like the lyrics. Like, I just think it's a good all-round. I'm very shocked, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Moving on oh. to... Uh, and also, just so you know, David Essex, along with Leo Sayer, and obviously um, the uh, Bay City Rollers, I think it was, were right. your grandma's, she was there, there, who she liked. Right. Yeah. But, right, okay. 
obviously really I was well. like, but David Essex is at 80, it's not her time. Well, no, but obviously he was allowed to still he'd like had, he'd had, He he'd was had, before um, that as well. Quite a few. Um, yeah. Because when uh, did he start, like, in 63? Yeah, but he not had, really hadn't, didn't have a hit, really, until 1973, which is what you had with Brock Horn. But, um, uh, maybe she just liked him from... But, um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, but she uh, liked him. I mean, and that was his pretty much his first album was Rock On as well in 1973. Huh? Was he doing... Oh, but he was doing, like, acting as well, weren't so, he? Oh, yeah, before then he was acting and... Yeah. And theatre. Yeah. Um, David Essex and Leo Sayer, as I say. Who is Leo Sayer? Is that You've like... Got him to come. You've got him to come. Right, okay. So these are people that Grandma liked in the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 70s, 80s, yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving on then to Alvin Stardust. Yeah. So I've gone with rock and pop. Not pop rock. Two separate. Yeah. Um, he's got a good vocal range, and I definitely think he's inspired by Elvis Presley. Um, I just think he looks like an Elvis-inspired rock star. He has got the biggest sideburns I've ever seen in my life. Have you seen him? Uh, Do you know what he looks like? Blooming, yeah. eh? they may as well be. <laughs> they are the biggest and longest sideburns I have ever seen, and so thick as well. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. stop staring at them. Um, he wears a lot of leather and a lot of black. He's not had many songs, but he definitely has enough that's given me the hint of what his stylist is, style is as an artist. You know what I mean? And he's worked himself out a bit. I think he could have maybe had more hits, but we'll find out how he did and why he didn't. Okay. So Alvin Stardust, born... Bernard William Jury. He does look like a Bernard, actually. <laughs> so he's from Muswell <laughs> Hill in Middlesex. He's been active since 1960. He's a singer, musician, guitarist, and his genre is a glam rock, rock mm. and roll, and pop. Oh, when I was saying he's definitely inspired by Elvis Presley, I should have just assumed rock and roll. But I was more his style is Elvis Presley, not necessarily his music. Um, so Alvin originally went under the stage name of Shane Fenton. What? Stain? In the early... Shane? Shane. S-H-A-N-E. Shane Fenton. In the early 60s and had a teenage band, Shane Fenton and the Fentones. Okay. As the bands, so the That's bands, the band's seventeen-year-old singer Shane Fenton, whose real name was Johnny Thixton, died as a result of a rheumatic fever. I took on his name. So that's a bit. Stardust sick. not only replaced the singer. Took his own name. Also took on the stage name over his own Bernard Jury. That's a bit sick. Not after hang on. After Johnny's mum asked the band to stay together 
and keep its name in honour of her son's memory. Right, they would keep the name of the band, not someone become him. Hold on. Well, that bit too you, can't, you can't really call the band Shane Fenton and the Fentones when Shane Fenton isn't even in the band. Now, I suppose it would be different if it was his uh... real name, but as it was... Shane Fenton was a stage name of Johnny Thinkston's anyway. So right. Alvin no, Stardust, okay. so it's not Bernard Jury, like should I say, Bernard Jury yeah. just took on the stage name that right. the last the person had had, had, had as well. Yeah, Rather yeah, than yeah. him taking his someone else's name, yeah. it was his stage name. So he just filled in the role. Of Shane Fenton, which was a made-up person anyway. Okay, if you look at it that way, it's not yeah, as weird as it as sounds. Weird. Yeah. Okay. It, when I was when I was obviously reading it, I was thinking, oh my god, he's taken on the dead, you know, the mum's of grass, and he's taken on. But it wasn't his name anyway; it's a stage name. So right, okay. the, the singer. It still is a bit odd, though, not going to lie. Yes and no. I see it a bit more better when you don't look at it as it's it's like an actor taking on, and you know, if no, someone dies and they keep that role going, someone else steps into his shoes playing that character. Mm. He's not playing the person who's died, who originally played him or her. But the difference is, when you're an actor, everyone knows that's a fictional character, whereas yeah. this singer, everyone thought his name was... Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It wasn't his... If it was his name, yes. But I get what you're saying. Not everyone knew that he was named yeah. Fenton. The same like, as you people didn't don't look know that up, Alvin Stardust isn't Alvin Stardust. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, if you didn't look it up, you wouldn't No, know. no, you're right. Yes. So the band had a few hits with their new lead singer, um, like I'm a Moody Guy, Walk Away, It's All Over Now, and their biggest hit, Cindy's Birthday. However, Jury disappeared from the spotlight for a decade after the breakup of the Fentones, and he worked in music management and performed in just small venues. So he did perform now so and then news, but he may be a music manager. Yeah, he was out of the limelight. Yes. Yeah. Then in the early 70s, he acquired a new persona in Alvin Stardust. His own one, I hope. Hold on. Oh God, is it a clear <laughs> David Alvin Stardust was a clear reference to David Bowie's persona. Oh! Ziggy yeah. Stardust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the David Bowie character, Ziggy Stardust, was based yeah. on Vince Taylor. Now, Vince Taylor looked like what Alvin Stardust looks like. Oh, so he's not Elvis the, inspired. With the sideburns and black leather outfit. Oh, I thought it was more Elvis looking. So oh, my. The, Although Ziggy Stardust looked nothing like this no. Vince Taylor, so I don't know how it was based on how he Vince was. Taylor, but evidently it was. And then Vince Taylor looks like the Alvin Stardust, which is yeah. 
a bit bit complicated, but are you with I me? So it. Alvin Stardust yeah. is based on Vince Taylor, Ziggy. who is what Ziggy Stardust is. Yeah, based yeah, yeah. On. But yeah. Ziggy Stardust and Alvin Stardust, other than having the same surname, don't oh, look anything really. like each other. No. Okay. Now the complicated bit. That word the, the name okay. was given to him by Peter Shelley of Magnet Damn. Records right. to cash in on the glam rock bandwagon. Okay. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Shelley was looking for someone to take over the role as he had no interest in performing live, even though his current single... My Kukachu was climbing the charts. So Peter Shelley was this other artist. Dreamt up Alvin Stardust based on Ziggy Stardust, which was based on Vince. So this Alvin Stardust guy just gets told. Just does. So Peter Shelley played him or sang. And released a song called My Kukacha. Right, hang on. So Peter Shelley was Alvin Stardust. Originally, yes. And had a single in the charts. But he didn't want to sing on top of the pop or anything like that. So you do it. So he then got... So it was actually Hal Carter, Jury's manager. Bear in mind, Jury's not really doing much. No, he's on the down. He suggested point. his client as a substitute, and so Jury took over as Stardust. So really, Alvin Stardust, the name is because this Peter Shelley person was inspired yeah. by Ziggy Tuss, Stardust. Who, yes, yes, and the Vince yeah, Taylor, yeah. and he not, not in on Bernard, the not no. Bernard, and no. then Peter Shelley, aka the first Alvin Stardust, was like, You've got it. "Don't yeah. want to do the work anymore." You can do it for me. Yeah. So Alvin Stardust that we're discussing yeah. actually was never his own person. He was either, no. what was the first he guy's either, name? He was either dead Shane man. Fenton. Shane Fenton, who Alvin was dead. Yeah. And his mum was like, yeah, someone can take it on. I want the band to carry on. He was like, volunteer as tribute. And then Alvin Stardust was actually like, don't want to do it anymore. And his manager was like, I volunteer him as tribute. Here, do it. He likes to pretend he's someone else. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. But then he has then made his own career. These songs yeah, that it, I have got are not Peter Shelley being like, I can't be bothered to sing. These no, he's, Peter Shelley still then, writes. These songs? Um, a few of them, yeah. Oh, Alvin Stardust, who on earth are you? <laughs> You're just people's bitch, basically. He's funny. He's just people's bitch. He just does as he's sold. So, um, I'm just now having a look. Blue They're not. What um, a life. They're not really. Um, but what I'm saying. I can't tell you who's written them because. Um, but what I'm saying is, forget who's written them. When. So, obviously, the first time he performed as Alvin Stardust, he was performing a song that was in the charts that he didn't even record first off. Well, no, I'm coming to that now, if you stick with me. But these so, songs are him recording then, with his voice. They are yeah, like... But then, 
Um, so Alvin Stardust took over then as Stardust as as sorry, oh my God. Bernard Jury yeah, yeah, yeah. took over as Alvin Stardust. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he took over just in time to play, or should I say, to lip sync my cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo on his first appear on its first appearance of Top of the Pops. I did wonder because I was like, if this is already recorded, because for yeah. a split moment I did forget that Top of the Pops is lip syncing at this yeah. time. So I was in my head thinking. Did people not think did this don't sound the same? But that right. makes sense. They didn't yeah. have to because the yeah. song ended up peaking at number two. He would have got none of that though. No, but it he wasn't. Just went to show his and face. He, yeah, he, he had nothing it. to do with nothing. it. He literally <laughs> come in and jumped on the bandwagon right at the end, and people saw him on top of the pops, liked the song, bought the record, it got to number two. And all he did was lip sync it. So all further Alvin Stardust records were sung by Jury, including right. the follow-up single "Jealous Mind." Okay. Okay. Yep. So Alvin would later star <laughs> as part of the Green Cross Code Road Safety Campaign, which saw him instructing children to look both ways before they cross the road. Okay. <laughs> Alvin was Alvin was married to TV star Lisa Goddard before their divorce in 1989. Bernard Jury died at his home after a brief illness in October 2014. He was 72. His death came weeks before he was due to release his first album for over 30 years. Um, so he had been he had been diagnosed already with prostate cancer 18 months earlier and obviously then right. got then into the recording recorded. studio. But unfortunately, um, he died before, he, died before he got released. Aww. So Stardust so released did they seven... end up then releasing it after his I'm death? I'm just about to say. Okay. <laughs> Stardust released seven studio albums, including two posthumous releases, Alvin in 2014 and Behind the Will in 2021. How do they do that? I don't know. How so they released another fine. one? Obviously, Alvin was the one he was already going to release anyway. Yeah. But I don't know what the behind the will unless is about it's like or whatever. It says it's a studio album, which tells me it's you know it's a a proper album. So whether it's just mm. unreleased, unreleased tracks, it's got to be. I don't. I don't. It's got to be because he wouldn't have find, done. I can't do find anything on it unless it's actually Peter Shelley in disguise. Maybe. <laughs> okay, Alvin Stardust. So the one I gave you added on was 1974's Jealous Mind. And the reason I gave you that is because it did get to number one. Did it? It did. I weren't a fan of that one. It sounded like two different people singing. It just, I didn't know whether I was coming or going with it. Uh Mm, Don't agree with number one. I mean, it was a good song, but I just didn't know what I was doing. Okay. 1981, Pretend, number four. 
upbeat, feel good. Loved it. I think, yeah, that one is an up there one. The music in the background is a little bit annoying, though. Like, it just, I don't know, I can't explain it. Some of the beats are a bit like, didn't need you. Okay. Well, it was a, a, um, a cover of a Nat King Cole song. For God's sake. And um, I forgot to say, Mercy, Mercy Me, while we're on yeah. about covers, the Roger, cover. Robert Palmer, that yeah. was another Marvin Gaye song. So like Paul Young, oh. Wherever I Lay My Hat, Marvin Gaye also sang Mercy, Mercy Me originally. People like Marvin Gaye this week. So, yes. Uh, 1984, I Feel Like Buddy Holly, number seven. I liked this one. Um, it starts off calming and then slowly builds up to the chorus. I did enjoy that. That one, I think, that one was nearly um, my favourite. Uh-huh. Um, 1984, I Won't Run Away, number seven. I was waiting for you to tell me where it was then. Because I, I thought said you said number 80. seven. No, I thought you said 87. And I was like... no. Nineteen eighty-four. I, like, I won't run away. Number seven. Uh, this was my favourite. Um, upbeat, head bopper, very catchy. I enjoyed that one. Okay. And then lastly, nineteen eighty-four. So near to Christmas. Number twenty-nine. So like David Essex, not very Christmassy. Does put a nice picture though with the lyrics, but. Yeah, it's not a Christmas song if it's not not making you feel good. A bit too depressing. Okay. okay, moving on to M. Who calls themselves just a letter? M. Just why? Um, well, he had to take M because someone already had A, B, C, D. Okay. As a joke. Yeah, not um, a funny one. No, okay. You might get laughs off something. You can edit that bit out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've gone for hip-hop. I think he's more of a producer than anything, as the song involves girls singing more than he does, and he's just added a few words. I don't really see him... um, but the video is just him, who I'm guessing is the one in glasses and a blue suit, but then also he might be the person that's in a darker suit and a hat. He might be both of them. Um, like It's just different ply. But it's like he's at a DJ set and it shows the women. It's just a bit bland. There's nothing that really stood out. It was a bit hard to follow the video, and like I say, I don't really know which one he is. Um, and, yeah, I think he's just one of those producers. Okay, so M is actually Robin Scott. See, that's a nice name. You could have just gone with that. Yeah. He's from Croydon in Surrey. Mm. He's been active since 1968. He's a singer-songwriter. Um, I can't say anything about him being a record producer. Um, which surprises me as well because I would have said he is because M yeah. was his project as I go into. M was a project. Oh, interesting. So that would tell me he was like a, a record 
producer or you know that or something yeah thing. yeah um so rock pub rock punk rock synth pop and new wave are the yeah genres. no I was way off weren't i way off so um Yeah, Scott was a so he has worked as a producer because I've just seen it now. Oh, okay. He is a oh, he is a record producer. Right. So Scott be began performing his own songs and accompanying um, himself on guitar, and he spent a period playing folk music Ooh. at clubs as a solo musician. Very to this. And he shared bills with emerging artists such as david bowie oh so he was around the same time that he was trying to make it yeah he also recorded a session for the bbc and one of the tracks from which was included on the cd issue of the reissue of the album in 2001 so there we go fair enough in 1978, Scott worked as a record producer, or a producer, should I say, for mm -hmm. Barclay Records in Paris, France, where he lived with his girlfriend, Bridget Vinchon, or also, as she went, Bridget Novik. Right. After producing and filming with the director, Julian Temple, and the all-female punk quartet, The Stilts, in 1979, Do It released early recordings of Adam and the Ant. So he's been around trying to make it. Yeah. With all these. And I yeah. get, and he just weren't as big. He didn't make so it. So then he came up with an English music project to fit in with the new new wave synth pop that was coming out. And right. um, M was that music project. Mm. So Scott started using the pseudonym to not pseudonym M in 1978 when he released Modern Man. The next single, Pop Music, featured Scott's brother Julian on bass. And his wife, Bridget Novick, who we spoke about earlier, his yeah. now wife, she was on the backing vocals and Wally Baduru was on keyboards. The album New York, London, Paris, Munich, big, massive album title there, was released yeah. in 1979. And this is part of his Project M. Yes. Right. So the album, New York, London, Paris, Munich, was released by M, not Robin Scott. But he's never released it's any an, music. It's, it's oh, the only thing that he was doing as Robin Scott was yeah. when he was like with David yes. Bowie and yeah, yeah Adamant. Right. M had three other singles that achieved a UK chart entry. Moonlight and Muzak. Muzak. That got to number 33 in December 1979. That's, That's the way the money goes. Got to number 45 in March 1980. And Official Secrets got to number 64 in November 1980. Along with two further albums, 
the official secrets act in 1980 and famous last words in 1982 although the latter was never released in the uk a fourth album probably yeah a fourth album robin scott with oh he's gone back to shakisha was recorded in 1984 but was not released until 1998. Why? Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't released. And he used his real name. Yes. Famous Last Words saw a young Thomas Dolby on the programming side and the early incarnation of Level 42. So he's been with some people, like even working with Thomas Dolby, he's like... Yeah. He became big because you said young, so he wouldn't have been. Yeah. But like he's worked with some people, hasn't he? Yeah. Or been so around subsequently, the label MCA and M parted company following the label's declined release of the album in the UK, which was Famous Last Words, which, as I said earlier, right. was not released in the UK. Yeah. However, the album was only released in France, Italy, and the US, where M was not even signed. And obviously that's what annoyed him, is that obviously the record company were trying to make money in mm. by going to America, but, but he weren't they even weren't even releasing it in the point. UK, where he was obviously a known... Yeah. Pod, the project uh, was known, as it was. Yeah. Why so, is yeah. it called a project, though? Because just... he just... He, oh, well, it was obviously started off as just a project, but obviously it got bigger and it became M. He became the person. But it yeah. was a project originally because he obviously wanted to, um, he wanted to release some Robin. songs of his own, but not under yeah. his own name. Because I suppose if they were flops, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to yeah. have that against him. Because mm. like it could have gone against him in a bad way. So yeah. by going under someone else's name... If Did they flop, really it him. was okay, that's fine. Put that in that drawer and carry on as Robin Scott, the record producer, yeah. or whatever, you know, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair okay. enough. I get it. I get it. So, 1979, pop music made number two. The reason you got it is it was re released in 1989 oh. and got to number 15. Oh. Fair enough. Um, to be fair, though, Dad, I shouldn't have to even comment on these type of songs anymore. I should just be able to be like, no comment. It's just words pop, and sounds put pop together. Pop music, talk about. It's pop just... music, talk about. Pop music, da 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 Pop music. No. <laughs> do you like okay. it? I do. I think I've got it on single. You're weird. You're a bit odd sometimes, you know that. <laughs> it's just words and sounds, but yeah. Okay, moving on to Joe Dulce. Yeah. Well, Joe Dulce, I think it's Dulce or Joe Dulce. Either way. He has got a You're unique voice, high-pitched. I can't really take him seriously. 
And I don't want to give too much away about the song, but you have mentioned it a lot, and apparently I have discussed it before, but I don't know. We have. Um, he's a funny-looking man with a little hat, and he plays the ukulele. I think he's rap house hip-hop. Um, well, I think I'm way off. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, go on. Um, he's from Painesville, Ohio, in the US. He's been active since 1968. He's a singer, songwriter, musician, and composer. Um, he's a his music is pop. <laughs> oh yeah. He plays the It'd electric guitar, the mandolin, not the ukulele, the mandolin, and the harmonica. Ooh. So, Joe Dolce achieved international recognition with his multi-million-selling single "Shut Up Your Face." which was released worldwide under the name Joe Dolce Music Theatre. The single reached number one in 15 countries. In Australia, where Dolce had moved to in 1978, the single sold more than 450,000 copies and continues to be the most successful Australian-produced single worldwide. To this date that we're talking at right now? Yep. Mm. Selling an estimated 6 million copies, so over 6 million. Mad. It stayed at number one in Australia for eight weeks. Why? Now, What's the here line? is a, um, what do you call it? Not a newsflash. Fun fact. No, it's a, a spoiler. Spoiler. That's what I'm right. looking for. The word spoiler. Here's a spoiler. <laughs> In the UK, it yeah. kept Ultravox. Vienna off the top box. I remember we're talking about this now. Yes. Because you were fuming. Yeah, still am. However, not as much as before, <laughs> Midge Ewer refuses to meet Joe Dolce. Why? Because he just. Because he's he, like really bitter. I don't think he's bitter now, but he just doesn't want to raise. He doesn't want to give him the. People will say, like the, talk the, about it again, and he just time. thinks that Vienna now. I mean, it done it. It helped it because it was in the news. So it was a big thing that everyone loved Vienna, and yet this song, this novelty song, kept it off top spot, and it made more news. You're than it would if Vienna had got to number one. And obviously it helped Ultravox in the end because they were in the news a hell of a lot. And yeah, doing interviews so people started being like, that. like, oh. So actually it helped. So I wouldn't say he's bitter, but he just doesn't want to bring it... He doesn't want to give the song any more, any more recognition. So, and he just feels that if he met him, people will be concentrating on the shut up of your face, being number one. Rather than the fact that it uh, happened rather than 30 the, years ago, 40 years ago now. And we, and how well Ultravox did. 
So yeah. And I guess Ultra so he, he doesn't want to meet him. Dulcie. Right. So yes. So Dulcie has released eleven released albums between nineteen eighty one. Eleven albums. Eleven albums. What else between, did he bloom into? Between nineteen eighty one and twenty nineteen, but only released four singles, with only one other charting, which was in nineteen eighty one. If you want to be happy, reaching number sixty one in Australia. Oh, so he literally is guy. a one hit, hit wonder. wonder. And it just happened to be at the same time as Vienna. Vienna would have got to number one any other time. But for whatever reason, the British public bought Shut Up Your Face. In fact, the whole of the world bought Shut Up Your Face because it was number one in 15 countries That's and sold mad. over six million copies. That's and was number mad. one in Australia for eight weeks. If Majur were absolutely fuming, imagine what all the other artists in Australia were like. Eight weeks. Can they I must now have been ask? eating so many Vegemite sandwiches over there, they didn't know what they were buying. Do you I mean, like it? Australia. No, I don't. Australia <laughs> gave us Shut Up Your Face and The Safety Dance. I mean, two of the biggest novelty songs going. Joe Dulcie and Men in Hats. I liked the safety dance, I think. <laughs> so, I've already told you, 1981, Joe Dulcie, Shut Up Your Face, was number one. You're very passionate about this. It's the worst <laughs> song to get to number one. It should... It, I don't even know how it got in the top ten. Top twenty. But number <laughs> one? Give it a rest. <laughs> Uh, do you want to hear my thoughts on it? I really liked it. <laughs> you I, have one. I have put, it gets you tapping along. It's a bit of a novelty song. I weirdly like it. The singing, not the talking bit. Like I like the, what's the matter with, you? what's the matter you? Do, 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 do. I like all that. I think oh, it's great that they face. put the A at the... <laughs> I like they put an A at the end of, like, what's the matter with... Like, ah, oh, I, I thought it was... I'm not going to lie, when I was listening to it the first time, I was laughing. Then when I watched the video, I was still laughing, but I was like, it's actually really catchy. I do actually like it. Okay. Shut up your face. We're moving on. Okay. We're going to move on to a brat. Oh, what on earth is this name again? Like, who calls themselves brat? Uh, not much to go on, to be honest. I do, like I said, I do wish I had more time to fit more songs in this week. Um, no idea who he is. Didn't have a video. I've gone with rap. It's a shame you didn't watch the video because I haven't there got wasn't much a to video. There was a video. There wasn't a video. There is a video of Brat. I couldn't find one. I found the only thing. Well, I only know because I've watched it myself. So oh. I know there's a video. Well, the only one that I could find was uh, like single cover, album cover, whatever it was, artwork. 
I didn't find an actual video. Finding someone called Brat was hard as it was. Writing in Brat, well, that just brings up all sorts, like the meaning <laughs> of the word Brat. And then you type in YouTube, Chalk Dust Brat, and I had to type in 80s singer at the end of it. Or well, 80s. Okay. So Brat was performed by British comedians Kaplan K and Roger Kitter. Brat was performed by? Yes. Brat's a human, isn't it? So hang on. The song, it's a comedy. I can't say that. Me and me English sometimes, you know. Saratar, it's when it's comedic. Satized. Satized? Saratized? I know what I mean. It's a comedy. Right. Um, and it was it was having a go at tennis. Or should I say the tennis champion at the time, John McEnroe, who was known as the Brat. Okay. Right. So then they did this thing. So he was notorious for temper tantrums. And saying things right. like, you cannot be serious. Right. Okay? Yeah. So, in the video, the songwriter, Roger Kitter, played McEnroe, right. while Kay plays the umpire. Right. Okay? Yeah. The title is a play on Star Wars film at the time, Empire Strikes Back. They changed it to The Umpire Strikes Back. But you sent me a song called Chalk Dust. It was called Chalk Dust, The Umpire Strikes Back. Well, I weren't looking for The Umpire Strikes Back. I just looked for Chalk Dust. That might be why I never uh, found it. Because it maybe. never came up. It reached the top ten in the Netherlands at number three. It got to number three in the Netherlands. So can I just check? Brat, as a human, is actually one man, but it's actually not. It's the songwriter and the... Yeah, yeah, the songwriter actually doesn't even play Brat. He played the umpire. It was his yeah. comedy, his, his this other comedian, Kaplan K, who played McEnroe. Who, so he was a singer. Singers, so he was a singer, he's a songwriter. Not that you can call it singing, it's talking. No. Yeah. But yeah. So um, it got to the top 10 in the Netherlands at number three and Belgium at number five. So there you go. And it was a novelty song. It was just released on the back of Wimbledon that it. year. Um, so in 1982 in the UK, Chalk Dust, the umpire strikes back, got to number 19. Okay. So it's inside the top 20. That's a bit mad. It was a load of, yeah. <laughs> I'd agree. Just talking, was very yeah. quiet, and yeah. I didn't really get it. But I guess yeah. if I saw the video, I might have got it more. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So, hit, miss, influenced, yes, no, Paul Young. Hit. Hit. I liked him. Covers, and hit. you know what? As I was talking about him, I was going, but he's just a...
I did actually like his songs, though. I am just disappointed that he's a cover man. He is um, a cover man. But I did enjoy him, and I can't change him to a miss just because I yeah. don't like. I'm like you. I don't really like covers. Like, go out and do your yeah. own work. Um, but I did actually like him. He does have a good voice. Yeah. So, he did you like Everything Must Change? Yes. There you go. Yes. Then. You liked his song. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Palmer. Uh, another hit. Again, I re- did really enjoy him. Okay. David Essex. So I was on the fence about this one. Took me a while to decide. But he is a hit. I did actually yeah. like him. I wouldn't listen to, like, um, A Winter's Tale that often because I don't really like it as a Christmas song. And obviously you would only listen to it at Christmas. But his other work I do actually quite like. Okay. Especially his fair, like early stuff, like Rock On, um, yeah. can't remember, but the first few, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Stardust. Another Bernard hit. Jury. Another hit. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're doing well. Yeah. No, I did it. And you've I already agreed. said you like M, so we can move on from there. You've already said you no. like Joe Dolce. No, M is M, not, yeah. Yeah, we don't have to yeah. say things to do with yeah. that type of music anymore. We know. Joe uh, Dolce? He's a hit, Dad. I loved it. Turn up your face. He's not a hit. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. think it's great. I am a sucker for a little novelty song. Novelty song, okay. though. And I did mention I did like the safety dance as well. Yeah. So. Um, so if you like a novelty song, you'll like Chalk Dust as well. Yeah, no, but that one can just, like I said, I think it's an absolute pile of what's yeah. it. Yeah. So, you did okay. well. You got Four five out of seven. From what I would have thought was five? a very mead. Five hits. Paul Young. Five hits. Oh, yes, five hits. Yeah, I forget you had, you had um, seven, seven this, week. this week, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So, yes. Five out of okay. seven. There is. Playing. Okay, so um, good week from what I thought was a mediocre week. So I did say to... this was a good listening week. Yeah. Come on. Can you keep these high? Because you've had a good couple of runs, yeah, good, yeah. good few weeks. Let's see if you can keep it. Okay. Next we week, next? you have got Billy Ocean. Oh, I've heard of him. Don't know any songs, though. Freddie Mercury. Oh, I know him. Not personally. Don't know any soloist songs, though. Only know him because of Queen. Brian Ferry. No. You know him from his group. We've talked about them. Okay, the name... I nearly did say the name rings a bell, but... uh, uh, mm. Brian Adams. I've heard of him. Heard of him? Julian Cope Not heard of him Again you've had his um, Band Group, band yeah Don McLean No And Cole Douglas No Okay So Billy Ocean Freddie Mercury, Brian Ferry, Brian Adams, 
Julian Cope, Don McLean and Carl Douglas will be your projects for next week. Your listenings. I'm going to be M, am I, with a project? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Get listening. Yes. See how good it is. Yeah. So okay. I shall get the songs to you. Yep. And um, we'll discuss them next week. We shall indeed. Okay. All right, then. Okay. All it takes is say goodbye. Good week this week. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. Shut up your face. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye, Dad. See you. Bye.